Welcome back to Real Talk Torah, courtesy of the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg. Where for today's issue and shear, we're going to be exploring and discussing some important connections between Parshas Mitzorah and Shabbos Hagadol. And that is because, obviously, at the moment of this recording, this week's Parsha is Parshas Mitzorah, and it also happens to be the eve of Shabbos Hagadol. It is Arab Shabbos Hagadol. So Pesach is on the horizon. And it's not every year that Shabbos Hagadol coincides with Parshas Mitzorah. The last time that I can recall that they did coincide was in 2018. The moment of this recording, it's 2022. But in 2018, I happened to be in Eretz Yisrael at the time, um, visiting um, special for uh, nephew's bar mitzvah, so that made it memorable for me. And whenever we have a leap year, we have the possibility of the the coinciding of Shabbos Agadol and Parshas Mitzorah. But the question um, as to what the connection may be is one that I want to focus on now. And by way of introduction, I'll just point out that I don't think, if you give it enough time, I think if you listen and, you, and you're, you're patient, I don't think the connection, or I should say the many connections that we're going to point out between Shabbos HaGadol and Parshas Mitzorah are a stretch. And the reason I point this out is that because of how much I think there really is there, between Shabbos HaGadol, between Pesach and Parshas Mitzorah, because of all the different details and all the different strands that are interwoven between Shabbos HaGadol um, and you know, Erev Pesach and Parshas Mitzorah, it was too much for me to condense into the usual Muster Minutes series that we do weekly, which is a shorter series, and I didn't want to spare any of the details because of, because of the important avoda that I think will emerge from all of the different details, what we can glean from the apparent relationship between Mitzorah and Pesach. I didn't want to spare anything, and that's why we're doing it in this slightly longer format. And that's not to say that this is going to be a super long shear, but just so you understand, to um, uh, just so you understand what, to my mind, is the gravity of the of these connections. Um, for that reason, I didn't want to do it in the smaller Muster Minutes session. And by the way, this is also uh, this is also not to cheapen the Muster Minutes series, but the Muster Minutes series is usually an idea that I'm able to condense into that short time. Um, and then it's a series that, uh, at least if I am saying so myself, I don't think is any less important or less powerful. But here I think the details very much matter. So um, we'll, we'll jump right into that as soon as I mention once again that if you enjoy Shurim like these, and you want to partner up with us here at The Database, then all you have to do is reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data than base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. If you want to give a sponsorship or you just have questions, comments, concerns, or you have recommendations for sure, I'm like this. So just reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. Okay, so there are, I should say, three basic questions that we're going to tackle in this shear, hopefully in the next... Um, let's say 15 to 20 minutes or so. I hope not to go longer than that. And the question is, first of all, when we think about the intro to Pesach, and there, there, you can argue there are many introductions to Pesach, from just on Seder night there are introductions, there's Erev Pesach, the, the time that we stop eating chametz, and really the, the rituals, we know that they really get started when we get to... to the night of Erev Pesach, so the night of the 14th, when we are doing B'dikas Chametz. And isn't it interesting, have you ever noticed 
that we have a ritual, we have a system in which we are bodek, we search out the house to find chametz, the leavened bread, the different pieces of, of chametz. And yet when we get to Seder night, when we get to Lel Seder, we actually have an opposite minhag of searching not for chametz, but for matzah in the form of the afikomen. So what, what, what is the significance of this apparent switch, this dichotomy between Bedikas chametz on the one hand going into Pesach and afikomen as we are in Pesach, on the other hand. That's one connection. The other connection that I wanted to talk about, and that this first one obviously does not seem to have much to do with Mitzorah yet, but we'll get there. And we get there when we talk about the second question. So not just um, you know, trying to figure out the connection between Bedikas Chametz and Afikomen, but a connection between two houses, a tale of two houses. One house is the one that I just referenced, the house that we try to clean out from all the chametz, and we do a bedika of the house to find the chametz, and the house that appears in this week's Parsha. The house that appears in this week's Parsha is none other than the Bais Hamanuga, the house that's afflicted with tzara'as. And we know that uh, the Parshas Tazriah Mitzorah, the Parshas of Tsaras, we spoke last week about the Tsaras of a person on his body. And Parshas Mitzorah talks about that as well, and we'll come back to the Mitzorah himself. But when it comes to the house that's afflicted with Tsaras, it's very interesting when we consider what Tsaras is a symbol of. Just like Chametz, in a certain sense, is a, is a symbol of evil of the eight Sarhara. So we know the first cousin of the eight Sahara is Lashon Hara, which is associated with Tsaras, according to Chazal. And so that the fact that Tsaras is the result of many different Averos, but most um, infamously and most prominently Lashon Hara, so the starting point of Tsaras in a person's life, the way the, 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 the progression, as is explained, I believe, by the Rambam, that it starts in the house and until it gets to the person himself. So is there something to be said about the connection between Bais HaMenuga, Nige'e Botim, right, the, the Tsaras affliction of the house, which is something that's obviously negative and we want to somehow remove the Tsaras from the house and to repurify the house. So between that and the house of Pesach, where we're trying to also remove not necessarily the tsaras, but the chametz, the connection perhaps between chametz and tsaras, between the eight Sahara and Lashon Hara. While we're talking about houses, I'll throw in parenthetically that when we think of Shabbos Hagadol, the house was also very, very important. It was very uh, prominent, especially during Makas Pechoros, Right, the house is not just a detail; it's not just an environment. But but it was it was it was instrumental because one house was separate from the other house. The difference between an Egyptian house and a Jewish house, or the house of the Hebrews, the house of the Bnei Israel, that was a you know, a house that was devoted to slaughtering the carbon Pesach in the face of the Egyptians, right? And Shabbos Hagadol was when they had the carbon Pesach, the sheep tied to the bed, so that was the beginning of it. But when they put the blood on the on the houses. So that also is something about setting apart this house from the other house. The house not only that has 
tsaras or that does not have tsaras, but the house that has the chametz or the house that does not have the chametz. And perhaps in the case of Shabbos Agadol, the house that is going to be hosting a feast for the Karban Pesach and the house that will not. So maybe you could argue that's really a tale of three houses. So there's that connection that we have to try to, th- to discuss. So first of all, between Bedikas Chametz and the uh, and the, the ritual of Afikomen, Safun, searching for the Chametz, searching for the Matzah. Then we have the Bayis Hamanuga on the one hand, and then we have, again, Bedikas Chametz clearing out the house and also um, um, housing the Karban Pesach. And with these two questions we come to the reasonable next question was if there is in fact some important connection that we're supposed to see here between Mitsora and as we said last week, Mitsora is Motsi Shemra, right, an abbreviation for Motsi Ra, someone who produces an evil word. Lashon Hara, so if there's apparently an association between that and the Chametz, the Yetzirah and perhaps Pesach itself, a connection that we're also going to explore further in the next few minutes. So what would seem to to be the logical conclusion is that somehow Pesach is a response to the Mitzorah, that Pesach perhaps is an antidote to Lashon Hara. And if that's the case, the question is how so? How is Pesach somehow a remedy to the evil of Lashon Hara and is, is and is it? Is this just something that I'm trying to you know that, that I'm trying to pull together here, or might I convince you that this is something that's very integral? But if it is, where and how so? How, how since since when is Lashon Hara you know one of the iconic um, I guess Averos that we're supposed to pay attention to when it comes to Pesach? Lashon Hara is something that's bad all year round, obviously. And if it is bad all year round, so the question is why Pesach might be some Eserat zone to work on this, and how Pesach might be able to help us with that. So these are the things I want to consider. So hopefully, hopefully by now I've, I've convinced you that there's at least something to be said. So let's, let, let's, let's start off. So we've already uh, begun discussing the concept of, of the Bedikas Chametz. What's very interesting is there's actually another connection between um, you know Pesach theme and Mitzorah, Parshas Mitzorah, having nothing to do with the Mitzorah himself, but another halacha that comes up in Parshas Mitzorah. That's the concept of the halachic concepts of Nida and Zava. Right, the, the other very important monumental uh, Torah topics that come up in the Parsha, which are given less attention because Mitzorah, um, there's just, uh, and perhaps it's more exciting and more, um, you know, there's more of an avoda that we could work on, and that's um, Shavu Lechol Nefesh. But when it comes to Parshas Mitzorah, we also have Nida and Zava. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is that we have the concept in Halacha of a Badika. And what's interesting is that usually, if you look at the different sugyos where we find the concept of a badika, literally a checking, an investigation, a searching, whenever you have a badika, usually badika is in the context of something negative. Meaning when you do a badika, you're hoping not to find what you might find. It's a search for something negative, you hope it's not there. And if you find it, so now you know that there's something that you have to do, there's some tumma that's connected to it.
So one example that we find is when it comes to Edim, um, we have witnesses to a case, so they would be bodek the Edim, bodkinesa Edim. They would investigate, they would search out the Edim to see if there was anything fishy about the testimony. Are they giving corresponding testimony? Is there is there is there a lack of consistency in the testimony? Are these Edim really just plotting, um, and and they're and, and they're they're not genuine? So we're looking to find any negative, anything that doesn't seem right in the Eidus. Then we have Bedikas Chametz, of course. We're hoping the Chametz is not there. If it's there, yes, we got to find it and remove it. But we don't want to, to you know, to find the negative there. It's it's a negative. And then think about the when it comes to Zava and Nida, and as we'll see, this will really relate to Mitzora as well. Now, even though nowadays we treat all Nidos like a Zava, which is why Nida, um, after um, you know, after she's finished with her with her zman of of bleeding, so that she has to do something called Zayin Nikiyim, which is seven clean days. Now, this halacha really did not originally originate with Nida. Um, it, this originated with Zava. We treat all Nidos nowadays like a Zava to be Machmir. And for different reasons, very important reasons that are beyond the scope of this year. But a Zava has to do something called a Badika when she's doing the Zayin Nikiyim. So she has to check to see if, in fact, she's done flowing with any, with any, with any liquids, with any blood. And so she does a Badika. We might say that perhaps... The investigation, when you know, when a posek is investigating the bedika of a woman, uh, you might compare those halachos. I think uh, the poskim already do compare those halachos, the mishnayos, to what we find when it comes to negatim, when it comes to tsara'as Also, um, there's certain coloration that who the posek that is in, that is that is investigating the you know the the area in question. Whether there's you know whether there's still a case of zava or whether there's still a case of tsaras, so we find that crossover as well. So bedika is always looking for a negative, and in this case, going into Pesach, we are looking for a negative. We're looking for the chametz. Right? Chametz is clearly the negative counterpart to matzah, and we might say that tsaras is the negative counterpart to the lack thereof. We hope to not find something like tsaras, but the question is then is. And what we have to try to figure out, perhaps, then, is what is the counterpart to Tsaras? What is the counterpart to maybe the Lashon Hara? So keep that on the back burner for now, because we're going to come back to that. So that's that, that's one thing to consider. Now, there was another connection that I neglected to mention, which is perhaps the most um, obvious connection, though it's not as known, only because... You know we're not we're we're usually not in the habit of really taking a close read at the chumash, though we should be more taking a close read at the chumash and noticing just very basic connections that are right there in the text. So one of them we find is in the when it comes to the agudas Azov. the original Pesach, not the Pesach that we celebrate today. The Tosefta brings down several differences between our Pesach that we observe today and the Pesach that was observed in the you know the, the original Pesach that was observed in Mitzrayim. And among them, well, among the big differences, something that we don't do today is the bundle of the hyssop, um, which was uh, which was part of the procedure for getting the blood of the carbon pesach onto the lintel, onto the mashkof, and onto the the shtei mezuzos. 
on the, on the two doorposts of the house, when we put the blood on the inner doorposts of our house and on the inner lintel, so that was done, it was painted, the blood was painted with the Azov. There's a special bundle that they brought, the Agudas Azov, which we also find by Para Aduma, um, not for now, but in the past for Parshas Para, we spoke about connections between that and Pesach. But now we take a look at the connections that we find to Parshas Mitzorah. Because when it came to the purification process of the Mitzorah, or the purification process that follows Bayes HaMenuga, when Saras is afflicted against the house, or when stress is inflicted upon the house, so we find this similar procedure where they use blood, not from the carbon Pesach this time, but from a bird, but they smear the blood, and what do we find in the bundle of things that the Mitzorah has to take? He has to take the Azov, the same hyssop, which apparently seems to tell us that the Mitzorah, in his purification, goes through some kind of process of reinaugurating himself into the community after he's left the community, he's coming back and he comes back through the portal, it seems, of Pesach. This is an idea that uh, I didn't observe on my own, uh, but I believe the first time I heard this um, was um, from, from Rabbi David Foreman, uh, you know, someone who has a lot of his Torah out there and um, you know, people have different opinions, different hashkafas, um, and I certainly have different hashkafas about the different um, creative, we'll say, um, ideas that come out from from his Torah. But this one is just in your face. It's right there in the text, the Azov that appears in both Karbam Pesach, the original, and uh, and Mitzorah. So apparently, the Mitzorah, again, he re-enters through Pesach somehow. So the question is why that might be. Okay, let's keep going, because there, there, there's more to see here. But as as we continue... Now we try to figure out what. Like, let's, let's cut to the chase. What is this all about? What like if and if the whole point is lashon hara is bad, not a nice thing, and somehow Pesach is the opposite of that. So, come on, like so. So help me here. Like, well, what do we do with this, right? And, and if, if the takeaway of this year is lashon hara is bad, and so you know we could have we could have summarized that in. You know, the, the, those uh, those three words, or those four words, Lashon Hara is bad, and then that could be the end of the shir, and just don't do it anymore. Right? But uh, so some, um, so we hope that there's something more here that can actually help us if this is so important. And once we we're convinced that Lashon Hara is bad, so okay, how does Pesach help us with that? But just so you understand that Lashon Hara is not just something that just appears to be relevant here, but it's apparently fundamental is when we consider the beginning of, of, of Pesach, the original Pesach. Right? How did Golas Mitzrayim start? We know it started because of the Dibas Samra that Yosef spoke against his brothers, the Lashon Hara. That's point one. Point number two is that Moshe Rabbeinu noticed this himself. When Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to stop the fight between Dasan and Aviram, and they spoke out to him and said, oh, you're going to try to kill us like you did to the other guy? And then Moshe Rabbeinu says, ah, oh, no daha davar. He says, no, oh, wow, the matter is known. Pashib Shah, it's that. Um, oh, wow, people realized that he killed the Egyptian. This is public knowledge now. But according to the Medrash, what Moshe Rabbeinu was really saying was, now the matter has been known to me. It's been revealed to me why the B'nai Israel are in Galus. Because there are no good Lashon Hara speakers. They're slandering, slandering me. You know, they're, they're, they're doing this to each other. They're, not, they're apparently not good people. 
So again, Lashon Hara appears once again. We also find from Chazal, from the from the Sfarim Hakadoshim, that Mitzrayim, the hallmark of Mitzrayim, was the Gullus Hadibor. It was the Gullus of our speech that we weren't even able to talk anymore. In fact, for that reason, when the pasuk says Vanitzakel Hashem, that we cried out to Hashem, we were literally just screaming. We didn't even have the words to properly communicate um, to Hashem. And it was just crying out, just stam. And for this reason, uh, we know that uh, um, that we have another famous drasha, that Pesach, the name Pesach is Pesach, literally the mouth that speaks, right? A conjunction of those two words. Pesach, the mouth that speaks. What is so important about the speech? And now is where we start to get to Pesach. So when we start thinking about what Pesach is, and this is this is where the Avodah comes together. Lashon Har apparently is obviously negative, but we we you know we we have an agenda, we have a goal here. We want to leave the Galus Hadibor. Right? The Galus also started, by the way, with the Avodas Perach. Another drasha, perach, which means a soft mouth, right? It's it, you know it started easy because um, they, they 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 talked they talked you know they sweet talked us and then eventually we we entered the gullus and we without even realizing it we marched right into it. So considering all of that, so if if, if all this is true, so then we have to once again try to figure out how to reverse that. How does Pesach reverse that? So. Let's go back to the Psukim in Tehillim, in, in Tehillim Lamed Dalid, which we recite in Psukim de Zimra on Shabbos every week. L'david b'shano says ta'amo Avimelech, right, when David had his run-in with Avimelech. So, Psukim I want to focus on are the ones that appeal to Lashonara. Think about this. The, um, the, this is also, it's a, it's a famous song. Mi ha'eshe chofetz chayim. We know that the chofetz chayim he named his Sefer um, based on this. I mean, the, who's the one who desires life? Oh, have Yomim Liros Tov. So Pasuk Yedalad in that parak, Lamedalad Yedalad. Nitzar Lashon Chameiros Uswasach Medabir Mirma. So you have to guard your tongue from speaking any evil and your lips from speaking anything deceitfully. Right? So we want to counteract Lashon Hara. And how do we do that? So we do that in two ways. Sur Meira. Va'asetov. First, we turn away from evil, and then we do good. And of course, the pasuk finishes back shalom Fehu. We seek out peace and we pursue it, thinking of uh, of Aaron Akohen, which is actually going to be really important. Um, this this is a connection that I didn't plan on talking about, but I'm going to talk about it now. We first go away from evil, and then we do good. Go away from evil, do good. Sur meira asetov. Let's go back to the two searchings that we do. The first searching, the bedika, the negative search, bedika schametz, that's sur meira. But then we get to matzah. Matzah is asetov, looking for the matzah, looking for the good. Right? This is this is how we counteract lashon hara. We know that we know that chametz represents the eight sahara. It's puffed up. It represents gaiva. It represents gashmius. It represents laziness. And these are all the negative midos, the negative midos that perhaps we find in ourselves, but sometimes even worse off when we find it about others and we speak about others. Matzah represents simplicity. It's the Eitzir Tov. It's Ruchnius. It's just the right amount. And what you see is what you get with matzah. And you have 
the beginning of Pesach, we have Bedikas Chametz, that's the Sur Meirah. But when you get into Pesach, we have the Asei Tov. And this, I believe, is how we counteract Lashon Hara. This is how we get to Bakesh Shalom Barod Fehu. Bakesh Shalom Barod Fehu, to search out Bakesh, to look out for, to Bakashos, to plead for this. Bakesh Shalom, who really is, is Mavakesh Shalom? Virad Feyu, someone who's going to pursue it. We know that from Pirkei Avos, Aaron HaKohen was known as Ohev Shalom Virodev Shalom. What does that mean? That he loved peace and that he pursued peace? Same Lashon here, Bakesh Shalom Virad Feyu. So Chazal tell us, um, I believe it's in Avos Rabbi Nassan, but the Midrashim quote this about when, when Kol Beis Yisrael cried for Aaron HaKohen when he passed away, more than, more so than those who cried for Moshe, they cried for Aaron. Because Aaron would literally go to other people who were in fights with other individuals, whether it was man and wife, man and his friend. And what would Aaron do? Aaron would literally tell them, this person wants to make up with you. And he would find the most peaceful ways to bring people back together. Let's rewind back to the Mitzorah, we find the same exact two kinds of people as men- are mentioned. I just thought of this now as well. But think about this. When Rashi tells us, Manishtana, why is the Mitzorah different from other Tame individuals? Once again, invoking the Manishtana. Why is he different that he sits by himself? Well, what did this guy do? He caused fracture between man and friend, between Ishlareehu, and between Ishvi'isha, man and his wife. Aaron is the opposite the person who seeks to bring people together through positive words. So what is Pesach all about? How are we Bakesh Shalom Feu? How are we Sir Rava Asitov on Pesach? So we have the symbolism of Chametz and Matzah. We separate from Chametz and we search out the Matzah. We look for the good. That's the Asitov. And think about what, what the Shevach of Pesach is all about. When we are on alav dvarim harbe, when we talk about the matzah, the lechemoni, what are we saying about the matzah? Besides for Magid, we have Halil, the Shavach to Hashem, every single one of the Dayenus. The Sipur Yitzias Mitzrayim, the telling of the story, using our mouths to talk positive talk, and about what? About Hashem. We talk about Hashem. We talk about the godless of Hashem. Why is this so important? Think about how at the beginning of the Galus Mitzrayim, which started from Yosef and his brothers, we mentioned the Dibasam Ra that were on Yosef's tongue, constantly giving evil reports about his brothers. What happened before Yosef became the king? We know something else that was constantly on Yosef's tongue. What was Shagur Bethiv? What was constantly set in the mouth of Yosef? The Shevach of Hashem. This is why Potiphar was able to see that Hashem was with Yosef because Yosef was constantly saying, Thank you, Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Emirat Hashem, Be'ezras Hashem. So think about this. You could spend time speaking Lashon Hara and looking at the negative and finding the negative, but really, is that something you want to look for? Sometimes you have to find it so that you can save yourself. You have to do the Bidikas Chamitz to make sure you don't come in contact with it. But once it's gone, do you still continue to look for it? Or should maybe at a certain point we should be Bakesh Shalom Red Fehu? to try to find the positive, try to find good things to say. And what do we do to practice on Pesach? When we're Pesach, the mouth that speaks, we speak the Shavach of Hashem. We praise Hashem. We talk about the amazing things that Hashem does. 
A person who is constantly looking up at Hashem and thinking about the good that Hashem does, using his mouth not to speak negative, but to speak positive, that's a person who's in the habits of speaking positive. That's a person who will perhaps think less about the negative thing to say, but to think about a good thing to say. Right, Lashon Hara could be spoken about Hashem as well. Right, the counteract to Lashon Hara is Lashon Tov, and it's as simple as that. Instead of saying negative things, you could say positive things. And this is not just about people, when you speak Lashon Hara about people, but about life in general, the things that we have in life. If you're a person who complains, then you're going to be a person who speaks Lashon Hara, because you complain about things, so you're going to complain about people. Mamela, of course. If you're a person that has good things to say, if you're a person that even when things are not so easy, but you find the Shavach and Hashem to say, Dayenu, that it would have been enough, even if, come on, would it really have been enough? If you had this positive thing, but you had that negative thing, right? The famous question of the Dayenu, would it really have been enough if Hashem took us out of Egypt, but didn't get us through the, the, through the Yamsif and through the Midbar, and that we died there? Right? Some people, you know, and you could find something negative to say about everything, but why be Bodek? the Ra, when you can be Asetov, when you can be Bakay Shalom Vradfeyu, to find a positive thing to say, to be able to say thank you when Hashem has dealt you in a good way. Hashem has done something good for you. We practice speaking Lashon Tov about Hashem for every little detail because there are so many good things that you could find to say about someone. You don't have to say the negative. And this, I believe, is the remedy, the antidote to Lashon Hara, the antidote to Tzara'as, the counter act to the tzaras, and we find it in Pesach. We find it in the matzah. We find it in the simplicity and yet the beauty of all of it, that we can say such beautiful things about Hashem. And really, if we're really trying, you can find something good to say about anything and anyone. And in, in, that, in, in that merit, we should be zocha to overcome Lashon Hara, to overcome the evils of Tsaras, to overcome the Baisa Manuga, to purify our homes, not just from the Chamitz of the Yitzhahara, but of the Lashon Hara that, that, that naturally comes along with it. We should be zocha to speak only Lashon Tov, and Hashem should only bestow on us the greatest Tov, in this time, hopefully in the form of the Geulah B'meher B'meinu. Have a wonderful Chag Kasher Thank you for joining us here at the Database.